All right, friends, my pits are sweating. I'm out of breath. I just finished this episode with two of my favorite podcasters in the entire world. So please go ahead and forgive me now when you hear me stumble over myself, fangirl, and just try to ask all the questions I can in this short episode. I am interviewing the ladies from Sinisterhood Podcast. It's going to be episode 136. So as always, you'll find the show notes at rachelbreaking.com forward slash EPI 136. Come in with us. You're going to learn all about podcasting, how to start monetizing, dealing with reviews, Patreon, and so forth. If you've been thinking about podcasting or even just content creating, whether it's YouTube, blog, book, anything, this has great information for you. Plus, you get to see me off my game a little bit. So come on and let's listen. Welcome to the Business Bites Podcast, the podcast for busy entrepreneurs. Whether you're an online entrepreneur or seeking after brick and mortar success, this podcast brings you quick bites of content so you can learn and grow anywhere you are. Now here's your host, Rachel Brainke. Hey, before we get into the episode, just a quick heads up. Because y'all are great, awesome, amazing listeners of the Business Bites Podcast, you get a special discount through my law firm. Anytime you head over there to do some brand protection, such as trademark registration, copyright registration, or just need some help with contracts, let them know that you came from the Business Bites podcast and we will get discounts applied for you. Particularly, our trademark applications are $500 off for Business Bites podcast listeners. So just let the team know and you will get a discount and you'll also get to hang out and talk with me and keep your brand protected. Hey y'all, welcome to another week of the Business Buys Podcast. My name is Rachel Branke and you're in for a real treat today. We have celebrity podcast guests, the duo from Sinisterhood Podcast, Heather and Christy. I'm so excited to have y'all. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and by the way, my y'alls are already slipping out because of the whole <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, I am a huge fan. A lot of the listeners are big fans. I want to start from the very beginning, how you got into podcasting. I'll throw it to either of you that wants to talk about how you, I know your childhood friends connected with each other, but how did you really think to dig into crime and comedy? Well, we're actually not childhood friends, although we're children at heart. We we met, um, what was it, Heather? 2016. 2016, yeah. yeah. 2016, we met through Dallas Comedy House, which is where we both um, performed regularly. And at the time, a docu-series was out called The Keepers. I don't know if you watched that, Rachel, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was really intrigued by it and how these women were solving these cold cases. And I kind of started talking to my husband and I was like, do you think there are book clubs, but instead it's just people sit around and talk about murder and colds? He was like, I don't know, but you could start one. And I, uh, I, I was like, that's a really good idea. So I reached out on this, on a Facebook group through Dallas comedy house. That's, um, it's an all women's group. And I kind of just put it out there. Hey, does anybody want to sit around and just talk about this stuff. And Heather was like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> and we got together and at first we didn't really have the intention of it being a podcast, although we did record it just in case anything fun happened. Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of, yeah, that's, that's the way it got started. And as the ball started rolling, we decided we should probably get like a format together and figure out our roles better and everything. 
And that all kind of fell into place around episode 13. I love it. Well, and I, you know, it's funny, like the whole childhood thing and you're like, oh, it was just a couple of years ago. And I'm like, dude, pandemic feels like it's been like 30 years. (laughs) Yeah, We're all, we're all 75 years old now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I feel it some days, but you know, it's, we'll get to talking a little bit about um, pandemic and how that's impacted your podcasting. You all got into this talking about crime improv comedy and if y'all haven't listened by the way to sinisterhood podcast it is hilarious i listen to y'all on my long runs and i'll just start laughing like maniacally running down my street <laughs> and like partnering that with like serial killer talk and my neighbors are like what the hell's going on but it's funny and you know and i love learning which sounds kind of really weird i love learning about serial killers and you guys don't even do to serial killers it's all crime stuff and we we've got um cults and what are some of the other topics that you guys touch on well we kind of try to cover anything that interests us and usually it's something that's more of the macabre but or it, or it has like legal issues or things like that like the last two we just did were about the hashtag free britney movement so that's not really true crime in the the sense that you know you might think of like ted bundy who we've also covered but it's definitely crime possibly happening against her. We don't know. I mean, we we cover it in the show, but it's something that's in the news that's people, a, a million people, it's not even an exaggeration, DM'd us to, to talk about it. And so once we started looking into it, we're like, oh, there's something, a mystery here. Like, so it's anything that kind of piques our interest as far as, like Christy said, it's a book club where we wanted to solve mysteries or solve crimes. So we're kind of doing it. We're like Scooby-Doo without the van. And instead of Scooby-Doo, Christy has a pet pig. <laughs> yeah, we're working on the van. We're working on the van. <laughs> well, I love it. So you guys, t- you mentioned a couple of times finding a form. Format. How much work did you go into finding a format or had you, I mean, both of you do improv and comedy. So was it just a natural thing together or if you really had to work on finding a format and a cadence? As far as cadence, I think we have always naturally played off each other pretty well and we mm-hmm. performed together on stage and we're really good friends before we started things. So, you know, just having that natural banter going into it, I think helped us a lot. Regarding the format, in the beginning, if we go back and look at our notes for early episodes, I mean, we just laugh at how unusable they are at this point because it's just like, we're like, what What does this even mean? It's just bullet points of like random words. We don't even know what we were trying to say. And around episode 13 is when we really started fleshing out like a script that we write together that's based on research that we each independently do. So we kind of tell this story that is pre-written and then at breaks within the story is when we banter with each other, tell personal stories that relate to whatever topic we're discussing and things like that. So I think probably around episode 13 is when we really started to figure that out. And I think the most important thing is we both have, we both like hearing stories the same way. So we would get frustrated either hearing other, not necessarily just podcasts, but even certain documentaries or TV shows. Mm -hmm. And they're like telling it out of order. And that works if you're, you know, Quentin Tarantino. But sometimes for (laughs) us, for a mystery, we're like, we want to start. They were born this day. This is how they grew up, especially with some of these more heinous criminals or a criminal like we covered Aaron Rodriguez, who... Mm -hmm someone who seemingly has it all and then suddenly you know starts committing crimes it's like well if you start digging back in his childhood it's not so sudden so we liked that that idea of saying okay let's start at the beginning we're gonna it makes me think of writing uh you know a brief for a, a 
law case that you're going to do in law school where it's like, what are the facts? This started this day. This is what happened. And then the banter kind of, like she said, comes off of that. Well, I have to admit something. I mm-hmm. do cheat on y'all some weeks. <laughs> I listen to other podcasts. That's but totally fine. Same topics, but oftentimes, and actually, by the way, I have to say, it, I get pissed. Well, and probably <laughs> not, probably, it's probably not justified, but I get so mad when I hear the podcast go, oh yeah, we totally got this from Sinisterhood. And I'm like, that's their work. Don't take it from them. <laughs> but, I like listening. Like you're talking about the format. I love the format that y'all have because I'm all about the background story, getting to know kind of, not just the legal aspects, Heather, like you like to dig into, but Christy, definitely when you bring talking about the psychological and kind of the history and how this all came about, as opposed to just the morbid portion of everything. So I like listening to other podcasts and supplement, you know, to supplement too, just to see what other people's perspective might be. But I kind of always start here just because <laughs> is really good. I mean, it is a good comprehensive way to look at that. When you, and actually you kind of mentioned it a little bit ago about the working together on research. So I'm assuming you guys are 50-50 on each episode or do you tag team who does more work? What does that look like? Well, we tag team it, I would say. There are Mm -hmm. some episodes where Heather probably contributes more notes or some episodes where I probably contribute more notes, but in my opinion, it all evens out in the end Mm -hmm. and it's a team effort. So it doesn't really matter. who's pulling the most work that week because we know it'll balance out in the end. And in addition to that, we do split up the tasks of responding to social media, uh, managing our Patreon, managing our merch store, Gmail, all sorts of things. So we kind of have a whole other side of the podcast going on in addition to Mm -hmm. just producing the show each week. So all in all, we've figured out that independently we each spend about 30 to 35 hours working on the show in addition to Heather being a full-time lawyer and me being a full-time mom. So it's definitely for us become transitioned into more of a a job Mm -hmm. and um, a, a nice source of income as well. Well, and that was one of the key things that I wanted to ask you ladies about because I feel like you're pretty transparent. In the beginning of podcasting, I feel like you alluded to, oh, we're going to keep it ad-free as much as possible. But then you transitioned to this monetized strategy, which, by the way, I was super thrilled that you did because I know (laughs) that a lot of work goes into it and you deserve to be compensated for your time. What made you decide to do that transition? Well, I think it's like owning a billboard and not putting anything on it. You know, you, we have, Mm -hmm. we, especially as the audience grew and then people started reaching out to us. I mean, our very first advertiser was a fan who created feminist kind of clothing and it kind of, some of it was kind of spooky and it kind of dovetailed with what we were doing. And so, you know, we look at each other and we go, how much do we sell an ad for? I don't know. And we start (laughs) Googling and trying to figure that out. And then from there we got, approached by a larger, you know, a a middleman kind of ad company where they say, okay, we're going to broker a deal. These are our clients. We think that they may like you. Uh, So it, it sort of was not handed to us, but I mean, it's sort of, they came knocking and probably earlier, much earlier, we probably could have started pounding the pavement, but we were just plugging along, enjoying what we were doing. But now the, the more, it's grown. And I think the more effort that we put into it, we've always put a ton of effort into the research, but then managing the Patreon, interacting with a much larger social media following, and especially with our Patreon specifically, it, it is such a, 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 not a 
drain on the time, but it's time that it takes away from doing the podcast or I don't know, watching TV, sitting around, going for a walk. (laughs) And so it does feel much more fulfilling when not only are you doing something that you love, but that, you know, you can pay your student loans. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And just for some context for the audience, you guys launched Sinisterhood in May, 2018 just seven months later, the show broke an iTunes top 10 comedy podcast and also was a Spotify featured podcast. And then what? So seven, 10 months after launching, you had hit 1 million downloads and now you're at over 10 million. So for, for me, it's not that this was um, just luck of the draw. Obviously you had the fan base and I agree with you. I think y'all could have done it sooner. Um, was there some like internal resistance to being monetized sooner or was it just kind of like well let's just see what happens I definitely do not recall a conversation where Heather and I said let's not make money (laughs) so I don't I don't think it was an internal resistance Mm -mm. with the ads like she said you know we kind of I'm a uh kind of a pessimist at times <laughs> and I I no. just assume it and especially with um with podcasting as opposed to performing comedy live like we we were used to doing it's hard to gauge if people are really into what you're doing mm-hmm. I mean you have download numbers to look at you know and uh you know you can see how many people are following you on social media although those numbers will never be as high as how many yeah. people are actually listening to you so as heather likes to say we kind of feel sometimes like we're screaming into the void, especially in the beginning. We didn't know if people were super into it. So I think maybe in the beginning, we just thought, well, I don't know if anybody would want to advertise. <laughs> I mean, when we broke into the top 10, I emailed our our hosting site because I thought the download numbers were wrong because I was convinced that <laughs> there's no way we had done that yet. But we had. And, you know, I mean, that's super fulfilling. It's just with a live comedy performance, you have an audience right there giving you feedback with podcasting. Mm-hmm. And unless people start writing reviews or contacting you, you don't really know how they feel about stuff. I do know with the Patreon, we had kind of toyed with that a bit, mm-hmm. but then it really, we really started thinking about doing that once people started reaching out to us, asking us if we had one that they could donate mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, we were like, okay, people want to give us money. We're not going <laughs> to say no. So let's figure this out. And um, we've really seen some growth with that over the past year and a half, too, that that we're really proud of. Well, but we also, also do a lot of extra work for that, too. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, initially, we didn't know what our downloads were because we were on Squarespace and we didn't mm-hmm. have like a third party counter and we didn't really. And so Chrissy is a, an amazing researcher as always and was like, OK, here's all the podcast host companies. Here's their costs. Here's their benefits. And we ended up going with Fireside and they've g- been able to give us, you know, the accurate numbers and they're compliant and everything that we could then reach out on our behalf once we decided we wanted to monetize. And then once we looked at some websites that said, oh, if you have X many downloads, you can get this many dollars for an ad. And we're like, well, hell, yeah. <laughs> what, are we, what are we sitting on? Yeah. And we reached out to some some friends that also have other successful podcasts to kind of get their take on stuff. So it's really been, I mean, completely self-taught. Ever, and I think that's important for anyone starting a podcast is if you want to do it, just do it because, you know, and you'll, you learn so much as you go and the podcast that you think you might 
want to create at the beginning might transition into something totally else. But we've learned so much over the past two years to kind of get us where we are now. And we still learn all the time. Mm -hmm. Do you visualize a specific type of listener when you're creating these or you really just go on based on your gut, how you feel and put it out there? We only cover stuff that makes us interested. And Mm -hmm. I only try to say stuff to make Christy laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Yeah. That's a good question though. As far as visualizing listeners, I I know from our uh, metrics that our listeners are primarily 18 to 34 and it's, I believe, 96% women. So that's who I envision <laughs> when I think of who listens. But yeah, from the beginning, we've kind of always said, and I, and I think we would both agree with this about anything, like if you're not passionate about it, then don't bother doing it because it's not going to sell, you know, like we have to be interested in it for our audience to be interested in it. So we only cover topics that we would want to do. We get requests for stuff all the time. And we say like, we're sorry, we just don't cover that type of stuff because it's just not stuff we want to spend our time researching. While we're into morbid stuff, we have lines that we don't like to cross. (laughs) We don't want to sit up all night reading about like the most horrific, like child crimes that the world's ever seen. So, you know, we don't do that kind of stuff, but, um, as long as we're doing stuff that we like and we're making each other laugh, then that's all I'm concerned about. Mm-hmm. So when you mentioned passion, I've noticed this on a few episodes and I think I only noticed the editing because I do podcasting as well, but I can tell sometimes, and it's not poorly done at all. So Tommy, bravo. But <laughs> if you, I could tell that maybe you went too far off a topic and you cut it out or wanted to shorten it. What does the post-production process look like or when you catch yourself going completely down a rabbit trail? So post-production, once we record, I will go back and listen for edits. And then I write down every timestamp of where we need to edit something out. And I give it to Tommy and he goes in and does that for us. We really don't edit out. And it might just be, and I'll talk to him about this, the way it's clipped together. (laughs) We really don't edit out. Um, I can't think of any time we've like cut a significant chunk of audio Mm -hmm. out or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's usually because I stumble over the words I'm saying in the script a million times or one of us bumps a mic or a dog barks or something like that. So we really, um, very rarely do we edit out like actual content. No, we got to keep that banter in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, damn, I was like, what jewels are they leaving out and cutting out? Now the mystery really gone. None. Really yeah. none, yeah. Get all we, the were, we were saying we should have a blooper reel, though. Uh, not to not to put you on blast that you had a little blooper and we had to restart this at the beginning. But we were like, I think Tommy does actually clip out things where we do mess up or make each other laugh that doesn't make it into the show. So, well, I think he doesn't he have a folder of like us burping into the yeah, mics and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He has that folder. Uh-huh. Please do a blooper reel. That would make my pandemic. <laughs> That's awesome. So you mentioned a little bit ago, Christy, I believe on reviews. How do y'all handle? negative reviews. I mean, you kind of get both have the attitude of what the F. I mean, is it really what the F or how seriously do you take negative reviews? I don't read reviews. I, uh, and I don't believe Heather does either. I kind of, in the very beginning, I, you know, when we were first starting out, we'd have like 10, 10 new iTunes reviews, you know, I'd read those or whatever, but then it got to be, um, 
you know, like with anything, the bigger you get, the more people are listening and the more opinions are out there. And, um, so I just don't want to read all that. I mean, mm-hmm. 98% of the time it's, it's good stuff people say, but the, the negative stuff, Heather and I are both kind of under the opinion of, um, if we're, why, why bother consuming negative information if we're not going to change how we do things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one, I, I do try to avoid reading the iTunes reviews. Although when we first started, my mom would go, you want to know what someone said about you? And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> no, hey. no, please but don't since, tell. <laughs> since I answer the social media, if someone tags us in something that's nasty, like I'm going to see it and I don't respond. We don't get into fights with people. If there's 10 million podcasts, if you don't like what I'm saying, turn it off. How about mm-hmm. that? But mm-hmm. this guy tweeted us uh, maybe a, three or four months ago. And he said, I hate podcasts like my favorite murder and sinisterhood because they talk too much. Oh my <laughs> and I thought, Oh honey, if you don't like talking, maybe a podcast isn't for you. But I, I couldn't help myself because it was such a bizarre thing to, uh, to be pissed about his whole entire page. He was yelling at Conan O'Brien and Beyonce and the NFL and planet fitness. He was mad at Comcast. And I thought, okay, this is just a person that that's all they do. They're a professional griper. But so mm-hmm. a lot of times though, if I see something that's like nasty, I just, I'll either block them or just straight up ignore them. Except for this one, I went down a rabbit trail of like, what is your life like? But for the most part, it's just like, you know, you can't, you're not going to please everybody. And so what are we going to, like Chrissy said, even if it's a nice thing, we're not going to do more of that. You know, we're going to do what we're going to do. And as far as I'm concerned, the two people that are most important to the show is me and Christy. Also, I mean, Tommy, obviously, because he Tommy. like edits it. But I mean, as far as like content, like we're trying to make each other laugh. We're the ones on the air. So I think that's that's my thing is if Christy's happy, then I'm happy. And if somebody wants to tweet us, just go to town, sir. Okay, that's <laughs> also, uh, thank I'm I am personally um, thrilled to be on the same list as Beyonce, Comcast, yes. and Conan O'Brien. That's what I said. So. He was like yelling about the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I was like, everybody's talking about the Popeye's chicken sandwich. We have made it, you guys. Yeah, I wrote a I whole mean, blog post about it. I'm so excited. You're never going to please everyone, but if you're pleasing the majority, and I say keep doing what you're doing, because if you start letting those negative, far, few and far between comments get to you, and if we you know, tweaked our show based on those, then there are going to be diehard listeners that have listened from the beginning that are like, I don't like this changes they've made. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if the majority of the people like what you're doing, then if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh And I agree. And I think the same thing for when it comes to advertisers, you know, kind of scooping back to what we talked about earlier, that was one of my apprehensions in the beginning of taking advertisers, because I had had a bad taste from dealing with a publisher. I get it, different formats, but Mm -hmm. I just was afraid of, well, being censored, first of all, but of having my scope of my conversation or how I presented myself being completely different. I love this. I hope that y'all listening that are going into podcasting or any other content creation, that you go check out Sinisterhood, listen to how, and obviously they're passionate about the topics and it has resulted in, and I think that's my thing. I'm asking you questions and coaching you ladies down, like, what are these things on this like imaginary business checklist that you've done, but you're not subscribing to like a specific checklist. What is shining through is the commitment and the passion and obviously the talent to execute this, which brings me to Heather, I have to know, attorney to attorney, how much additional legal research are you doing for these different uh, podcasts? Because 
are you, have you done criminal work? I remember there was an episode about space law at one point. <laughs> uh, well, I, I did do an internship at NASA. No, I'm kidding. I've never done space law. I did. A, I studied aviation law a little bit in law school because I oh, yeah. worked for a pilot at the time. So that was actually just a happenstance that I was familiar with that. But I do for the notes that I give to Christy. I'll sometimes put in parentheses, like with all the conservatorship stuff with Britney Spears. I mean, I could have put paragraphs and paragraphs and I just put in parentheses. I will talk about conservatorships out loud. (laughs) And there was another one that we did. I can't remember what it was, but it was something to do with evidence that was being excluded in a trial. And maybe it was Amanda Knox. And I typed a whole long thing out and Christy just said, can you just summarize this like verbally? Because it's because it it doesn't really make sense if she's reading the script. She reads it out loud and then I talk about it. So she'll just be like, you know, mention it and then kind of throw to me. So I do, in addition to the notes, that I type in and I'll, you know, put, uh, you know, a little, little, uh, side note to her. Like I can talk about X issue. Then I'll go on on my own and I don't take notes on it that I put into the the show outline. I just keep a little note for myself of stuff that I want to talk about. Like with the Britney Spears conservatorship stuff, like I had, you know, sites to the probate code and things like that and different names of the different forms that they filled out to get conservatorship over Mm -hmm. her and stuff like that. That didn't really need to be in the outline. But if, you know, we were talking about, well, why would they say that she had dementia? And I'm like, oh, on this form, it asked this question Mm -hmm. and that form does this. So I do a lot of legal research that doesn't make it into the script part of it. Just so, because early on, I would just kind of do the bare minimum research for the script and Christy would ask me a question. I go, well, damn it, I got to pause and look it up. I don't know. <laughs> Cause I don't know laws of every jurisdiction, but are not yeah. to, I don't know quite when this will air, but in the future we're doing one that's an international law case. And so mm-hmm. I turned my notes into Christy and now I'm reading law review articles about kind of how this, the criminal justice system works in this other country, just so I'm more familiar with it and not having to pause and Google while we're in the middle of a show. <laughs> I know for me, I don't do criminal law. I'm all business. So I've enjoyed having the nuggets of business law. I mean, I'm sorry, of criminal law in Mm -hmm. episodes because that really helps me as the lawyer brain to have some context of really what's going on. And I'm sure, and I love the way that y'all explain the different things, especially when you go into evidence and talking about how maybe police departments have botched certain things because they Mm -hmm. would never do that. Uh, (laughs) But it's nice to have that kind of context, not just the facts of the case, but the interpretation. And um, so do you have kind of a line of how far you'll go? I mean, you talk about making it a brief understanding. Is it just more of like a natural inclination? I mean, I I feel like you're just a natural teacher of this stuff, or do you kind of have to rein yourself in (laughs) as an attorney not to go too legal? (laughs) Well, I did. Uh, I was a uh, assistant professor at the law school for about two years. So and I, you can kind of tell when people get a glazed look in their eye. And uh, <laughs> it's great to record with another person, because if it were just me, I probably would just go and go and go. Whereas Christy <laughs> will ask really great, thoughtful, you know, juicy questions that'll get me going and then bring it back to the topic at hand. So she's very good at reining, you know, kind of reining me in if I start going. But yeah, to answer your earlier question, though, I don't have any criminal law experience except for interning for a, a federal judge that did like a federal criminal docket, but that's way different crimes than, uh, mm-hmm. than the crimes we cover. Well, and Heather that. does a fantastic job of explaining all the legal stuff in a way that's really understandable mm-hmm. to people that aren't lawyers and like mm-hmm. myself. And um, so I think it's helpful that I don't have that background because mm-hmm. the questions I ask are hopefully also questions that listeners might be having while they're listening but she explains the legalese in a really unpretentious, understandable way that I think that's one that in the research that we do, I think really sets our podcast apart from others because 
true crime genre is saturated, if you didn't know. <laughs> 100%. You know, and I think that's one of the things is that when you're looking around trying to create a podcast, especially in a niche, like you said, that is so saturated, it's identifying what makes you happy, like y'all talked about, what makes you passionate. So you enjoy the 30, 40 hours per week. Uh, but also, how do you set yourself apart? And I feel like y'all probably have naturally set yourselves apart just with the comedy, with the crime and mystery, but also having the experience and the, I wouldn't say uncensored, it's not like you guys are uncouth in your thing, but you're kind of just, you let it all out, what you think and what you feel about the different topics. And I think that's really refreshing when there's so many similar podcasts, well, podcasts in the similar field, but they're very cut and dry, cut to the facts, and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I think we we pride ourselves on and it's just a natural thing because this is both how we are of being like very sensitive to victims and mm-hmm. and stories and everything. And we hear a lot from listeners that they really appreciate that, too, because occasionally in true crime prod- podcasts, people can get kind of amped mm-hmm. up by the juicy details and stuff and kind of forget that this was a person with a family, you know, and like we should show some sensitivity to it. So I think that sets us apart. But like you said too, just kind of being friends and having um, natural comedic banter. And we're both uh, researchers who really enjoy like well thought out planned sequential stories. So um, it kind of all just uh, came together that, you know, we, and we uh, produce something that we're proud of. And I'm glad you mentioned that about being um, honoring and vigilant of how you showcase it because of the victims. Because I've had people say to me, probably when I've shared about your podcast or other crime podcasts, they're like, that's so morbid. Why would you use someone's worst day for your enjoyment? Mm-hmm. And I've always stopped and go, oh, damn, they kind of have a point. Yeah, I, th- I agree. That is a good point. And that's one that we don't take lightly. So when we are talking about someone's, the worst thing that's ever happened to someone's family or in their life, we always make sure to stay really compassionate about Mm -hmm. everything that they went through and never victim blame or, you know, anytime that we're making, because, you know, when people hear a true crime comedy, they're like, how can you be funny about true crime? Mm -hmm. We're not being funny about the crime. So we're being funny about ourselves and making fun of ourselves. So whatever the topic may be, it may remind us of something and kind of we springboard to like a personal story from our Mm -hmm. childhood. Uh, Like when Heather talked about her mom hitting her with the car, (laughs) but but, but it was just to teach her a lesson. So it was fine. You know, so like we're, we're not making fun of like the story we're telling or the people in the, uh, the story we're making fun of ourselves. And I think there's also a tendency, not with all true, true crime podcasts, but just sort of in that the area of true crime, it's sort it starts to bend toward almost fandom for the perpetrators. Mm-hmm. And we are far away from that. And I think mm-hmm. really try to break down, you know, all the stuff that they did and who they were and why they did what they did, but never say, Oh, I love Ted Bundy. I'd love to have a t-shirt with his face. <laughs> you know, like we don't get, it's really more into being respectful of the victims. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, acknowledging the monstrosities that these people did and that, mm-hmm. you know, the victims didn't do anything to deserve it. Mm -hmm. Well, one of my takeaways as a listener, I'm not in this field, is I can look for things that would be red flags when I get into situations or Mm -hmm. to kind of help teach my children or even my girlfriends, you know, when you go to bars and this and that sort of thing, like looking for those types of red flags, but also 
and I guess it's kind of, we're going to kind of down a really like serious path, but recognizing the trauma that others mm-hmm. experience and just mm-hmm. kind of adding that humanistic point of it. Um, and like you said, less about the fandom and more about connection with how the family's feeling and what can we do? And this is the lawyer part of me. What can we do as a society to mm-hmm. not have these sort of tragedies occur? Mm-hmm. What is something we can do in our communities? Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, for me, like, yeah, those are like the heavy takeaways that I get. I mean, I love the comedy, especially one of my favorite stories is the diarrhea in the oh, Albertson's parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a classic. That's episode 13. That's where it all starts. <laughs> where it all starts. If y'all need a good one to start with to know what we're talking about with Tom, <laughs> that's a perfect episode. So, all right. Well, ladies, this has been fabulous. Before we wrap up, if there's an aspiring podcaster listening, what is maybe a mistake or a change that you would make from the beginning, maybe from the first 13 episodes to now, you know, that you would have changed? Hmm, good question. Heather, I'm going to throw that to you while I think about it. Um, don't try to record in a very echoey conference That's room. That's true. <laughs> no, I would say just do what uh, – I would say don't reinvent the wheel. So go – you know, what we did, I literally said – I Googled what equipment does last podcast on the left use? And there was some article that they got written about uh, talking about different microphones. And I Googled what does Mark Marin's garage look like? Because, you know, if the last podcast guys are recording in the studio. I'm like, we don't have that. For a while, we've recorded in the studio just with a friend. But now we're going to have to do it in our house. What does Mark Marin do to soundproof his garage? And so we were Googling what other successful kind of things worked for kind of do-it-yourselfers like us, but we're not going to go be in a professional studio. And so we didn't reinvent the wheel, but we did our own research. You know, we, I didn't email Mark Marin and go, well, hey, man, what does your studio look like? <laughs> I Googled it because there's a thing. You just ask a question on the internet and it tells you. So I, I would say do that. Kind of find people that are doing something similar to you, like where he was doing it at home, and do go down that path and kind of research that because that helped us, although we started looking a little too late it was after about 20 episodes stand on the shoulders of giants yeah i would say that um from a technical standpoint with your audio do as much as you can beforehand to make your audio sound good so you mm-hmm. have l- very little to do in post so yeah soundproofing the room you're going to be in looking in and you don't have to go out and spend thousands of dollars on microphones and mixers Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And now they even have like podcast kits that, you know, are, are uh, very, very easy to set up and come in different price points. So just spend a little time researching that and trying to get your audio to sound as good as possible before you record. So you have less to do after. In addition, people always ask us like, what is, what's like the secret to doing this and we're always like if we knew we would tell you but I think (laughs) we would have done it earlier (laughs) yeah I think for us and what we always tell everyone is put out good consistent content Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's what we really try to do remain consistent so you're con you know you're not falling off of people's radar but also have it be something you're proud of and have it be something that people are going to want to listen to And I actually have one question to dovetail off of this. And I'm not calling any other crime podcast out, but there was hullabaloo in the last few years about copyright infringement, plagiarism, failure to attribute things. And as an intellectual property attorney, Mm -hmm. I was like, well, and listening to that podcast, what is your line for inspiration or quoting of sources? How do y'all package and present that? 
Well, I always say that Christy's tougher than any law review professor or any uh, partner I've worked at at a big law firm. She's always like, where did this come from? Let's source it. Nothing, nothing, nothing that goes into the show is not our own language unless it's literally quoted and then it's highlighted in yellow and I do a dumb voice and that's how you know we didn't write it. (laughs) So, I mean, my undergrad degree is in creative nonfiction writing. So this is, you know, right up my alley to write this type of stuff. And Christy's amazing researcher and puts it into our own words. So I I don't know the path of others. I, as a lawyer and a person who is aware of lawsuits, would I just cannot fathom putting something on the air that I myself did not write. But uh, you know, it, don't fall into that trap. I know some shows straight up just read off of Wikipedia, which I don't think Mm-mm. you're the you're the IP lawyer. I don't think that's illegal, but I don't think then you could like publish the transcript and say that it's something you did. But yeah, everything that goes in. I mean, I'll Christy, I'll send my notes in, and if I haven't clearly said according to blah 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 source, okay. you know, and then summarizing it, I'll literally get an all caps note from Christy that says source question mark, <laughs> and then I go through and and you know source it or whatever. So uh, we everything is sourced and footnoted, and we upload it to our website uh, where there's a button that says show notes, and you can see you know all of our sources. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I mean, not that I know of any other large podcasts that have done that. Just hypothetical question. Hypothetically, yeah. though, is that like if if someone started a podcast this is me genuinely putting you on the spot is yeah. can you just read wikipedia what's the deal with that it doesn't seem uh, I, the problem with like wikipedia it's like crowdsourced so like who really owns yeah. it and i honestly wouldn't rely on the legitimacy of wikipedia i'd probably use True. it kind of like an off the cuff at a bar type conversation to look at or like a quick answer but i wouldn't mm-hmm. rest the content of my podcast or anything else maybe as a starting point because oftentimes you know it has footnotes and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and that you can click through, but I would not solely rely upon it. And it's really not protectable at that point because it's not your original work. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I don't mean like, uh, you know, for if it's legit, but I mean, if someone just read it off as, and then presented it as their own, like then is, are you able to sell that podcast? Cause you don't really like who owns it. I don't know. Interesting Nobody. questions. I mean, I just don't think it'd be protectable at all. I, I don't know. That's a good question. Damn it, Heather. I'm sorry. I stumped you. That's the worst thing. I'm lawyer to lawyer. That's the meanest thing I could have did. But I think being that, that'll, that'll be a follow-up episode we'll do. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, or a mini it's a gray area. I think the bottom line is knowing the source, like where it comes from and getting inspiration, you know, even listening to other podcasts. I know y'all mentioned, have you seen the Netflix documentary and even talk about the stuff that happens in the documentary and you reference the director or the person being interviewed and that sort of stuff. And I think that is really good. It gives me context too, because then I'm like, Ooh, I have a documentary to watch tonight. But mm-hmm. it provides um, it it provides the audience a way to know that that's not your direct quote. Um, it gives a good fun attribution without necessarily having to be like. Then the sheriff said, "Quote blah blah mm-hmm. blah." End quote. I mean, you guys weave mm-hmm. it in really well, Thanks. and I so not you know I, I just. I know that this is a huge thing when it comes with reporters, definitely. And that was part of what that big issue last year was. And Mm -hmm. I'm starting to see a lot more podcasters and YouTubers that are just reading off, like you said, articles, and it's popping up everywhere. So bottom line, Mm -hmm. if you're listening, if you're creating content, you can be inspired, but, you know, create it yourself. Don't Mm -hmm. sit there and read off of an article and then claim it as your, try to claim it as your own. When I think we kind of, we don't fall into that because we do a lot of primary source research. Like I go to court filings and I'll read Mm -hmm. for the Britney Spears stuff. I was reading the motions and I was reading the files. So then it's me summarizing a court Mm -hmm. document. So you Mm -hmm. you don't fall into that versus reading somebody else's article. Yeah. Yeah, I watch, I, I like to 
we kind of have different styles of how we like to consume information. Heather likes to listen to a lot of audiobooks and stuff. I prefer like documentaries and, mm-hmm. and reading articles. So unless I had a transcript of the documentary, it's going to be summarized in my own words because, mm-hmm. you know, that's how we're consuming the information. But we also, like she said, we cite every single source with this most recent Britney Spears one. There's probably... 85 links of different things in our show notes that we have used to gather all of our information. So, and that's published on our website as well. So anybody can go to that and see where we've pulled Mm -hmm. our information Mm -hmm. to make sure it's factual. We're just both very anal retentive. (laughs) And also Heather Heather does not want us to get sued. So, and I personally don't want to get disbarred. So, (laughs) so we make a point to say, you know, these are our opinions. You can't <laughs> sue somebody for having an opinion. And then anything that is, you know, more in the script that is factual, we're getting from other resources that have vetted where they got that from. Mm-hmm. And it's all about credibility. You know, this even circles back to talking about having advertisers and building an audience base. I'll, like I said, I'll listen on one topic, three or four different podcast within the same time period as well as the documentary and I'll hear conflicting information and I'll go well who was right of course Mm -hmm. I had to rely on you ladies (laughs) as my primary (laughs) source but I'll go wait a minute they said like four witnesses that one said two witnesses and so I think it's also about being consistent in the credibility and once you lose that you know maybe your audience so much may not necessarily care I don't know what happened with that other major podcast I fell off but then I'm an IP lawyer like I'm not supporting <laughs> someone that does that, but advertisers are definitely not going to be doling out cash to support someone that has that type of controversy. Yeah, I just would worry about liability, you know, not that, or, or like you said, reputational problems, but I don't mm. know. Sometimes people are juggernauts. Something may not take them down. So it could work mm. out. We also in our, cause you know, we research stuff independently and there are times where Heather's mm-hmm. notes will say there were four witnesses, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll read something where it was there are two. And I don't know which one of us, I'm not going to say she's wrong and I'm right. Mm-hmm. So we'll just put in the outline, um, conflicting reports. Some say there are four, some say mm-hmm. there are two. And then we'll mm-hmm. cite the sources because like you said, it's hard to know who's right. And it's not really up to us to make that call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, ladies, thank you so much for taking your time. I know extremely busy putting out great content, dealing and interacting with everyone to, that you need to get the information to. I appreciate this so much. All y'all listening, if you are interested in podcasting, this is an episode to re-listen to. Good nuggets out of it. As always, hop into the Business Bites Facebook group. We will have a dedicated thread to this, and you can share about your podcast or other content creation sources and any tips, tricks, or any advisements that you may have for the other members of the group. It would be fabulous. And I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for joining Rachel on this episode of the Business Bites. For show notes, a list of recommended tools, or referenced episodes, you can find them at businessbitespodcast.com. Until next time.